The Gospel reading is from Luke 5, 1 to 11. And if you have a church Bible, that's on page 1032. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they were they both began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Take your seats as Paul comes to speak to us. Well, good morning. Um, If you uh, keep your Bibles open um, at that passage, or if you look in your service sheet, that would be great. It was page uh, 1032, and we'll be looking through that um, this morning. Um, Shall I just pray before we start? Dear God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the freedom we have to meet together this morning. And I pray that as we look at um, this passage in Luke, that you will um, give me the words to say, and you'll give us all the ears to listen and the hearts to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so some of you might know that I uh, work in data stuff. Okay, so sometimes I try and make it sound more exciting by saying I work in computers, but uh, I'm not sure it makes any difference. And a big part of computers, or IT, apart from their love of acronyms, um, is about running projects and what they call delivering projects. Okay? And there are two different ways you classically deliver a project. The first, you may know it, is called waterfall. Okay? And a waterfall project, someone comes up with the idea, once they've uh, come up with those requirements, they give it to someone who designs it, they give it to someone who builds it, you can see the waterfall, and then they give it to someone who might test it if you're lucky. And then at the very end, ta-da, they produce the final outcome, which might be like what the person asked for at the beginning uh, and might not be. So that's waterfall. So, but actually, waterfall delivery is a bit out of fashion these days because the new exciting way is called agile delivery. And for agile, the theory is everybody mucks in together And the person who comes up with requirements, they hang about and they work with the person who builds it and they build a little bit, see if they like it, and then they build another bit. And this is what an agile delivery is like. Now, you must be thinking, what's he talking about and why is this of any relevance? Um, But why it's fascinating is that in an agile delivery, the question that people quite often ask 
is, is the person involved a pig or a chicken? Okay? Now, Now, stick with me, right? Because if they're a pig, they're right in the middle. They're in the middle of the project. They give their time. They turn up every day. They are really, really involved and bought into it. If they're a chicken, they stand at the side. They give their advice. They maybe dip in every so often, but they're not really that involved. And those are the two different things. And you see, for project work, what they need for good agile delivery is a pig, okay? Because the pigs are committed, right? Absolutely. Not the chickens. Because it's like making bacon and eggs, right? If you think about bacon and eggs, the chicken was kind of involved, right? But the pig, well, they were committed. (laughs) And today, in this passage, okay, this is the tenuous link. We are talking about commitment, okay? About being I wouldn't call you all pigs, obviously, but being committed, right? Actually having some stake in the game and not being like the chicken on the sideline. And I think for commitment is a word that we, and I certainly do, kind of struggle with sometimes, especially if maybe you're, what what are we now in February? Looking back at your New Year's resolutions and uh, wondering how well they went. Um, Or maybe it's, um, you know, you're trying to run a party and you say to someone, you know, would you like to come? I've got a party. It's three weeks' time. And it's quite rare these days someone says, yeah, I'll be there, come what may. Because we sometimes think, well, well, maybe there's a better offer out there and I don't know quite what I'm going to be doing in three weeks' time. So commitment. It's hard. It's hard today. But this passage is a call for commitment. And we're looking at the Gospel of Luke, and we're in Luke 5. And just as a recap, remember Luke? Luke's the guy, he's a great guy. He's the one who likes a nice, orderly account. Okay, that's the hallmark of his Gospel, which I love, obviously. Um, and, and we've seen so far Jesus coming. John the Baptist, remember John the Baptist proclaiming him? We saw his temptations in the desert. Then we saw him being rejected in his own town when he came and said, I've got this freedom, this great news for you all. And then in Luke 5, we find him standing with this crowd, beginning his preaching ministry. So we're going to look at a call for commitment, and we'll see there's three stages in Peter's story. Because whilst you know, Jesus is talking to the crowd, he's also talking to Peter, and, and, and actually brings Peter on this journey, verse 1 to 4, from being distracted, verses 5 to 7, from being determined, and verses 8 to 11 to finally being in that place of commitment and devotion, being devoted. Okay, so let's look at verse 1 then as it starts. It says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Okay, slight tangent, right? But but I thought it was quite interesting. In the Gospels, right, Matthew, Mark, and John, you all know them, they're all Jewish, okay? They probably lived in Israel. They, um, they, They had a Jewish heritage, now, Luke, Luke was a Greek, probably lived in Antioch, probably had traveled a little bit wider. So we come to this expanse of water in the story, and, uh, and Matthew, Mark, and John, they describe it as the impressive Sea of Galilee. Wow, a sea. Luke takes one look at it. He calls it the Lake of Gennesaret, because he says that's not much of a water. They're actually the same thing, Sea of Galilee, Lake of Gennesaret, but they, they're... they're so the two different authors, the groups, the Jews and Luke, just describe it differently, which is true to their background. And for me, I mean, it's a tangent, but it's kind of interesting that 
These are eyewitnesses. They bring their culture and their history and the context that they were brought up with as they describe what they've seen of Jesus. So let's return to Jesus. So he's by this water, call it as you will, and he's preaching, and the people are crowding around and listening. They're eager to learn more, which actually makes the contrast with where Peter is more striking. Because Peter, it looks like, wasn't really in that crowd, you know, piling in, pushing to the front. Peter was to the side. He was at his boat. He was mending his nets, as we see in verse 2. And sometimes I think that might be the case for us, because because often we are kind of on the sidelines, not quite sure if we want to commit yet. It might be that you, you're interested in Christianity or you're kind of wondering what it's all about, um, but you don't quite feel you're ready to make that step of commitment yet. And that's great. And it's great that you're here and you're, you're kind of interested to look at it or thinking about it. Or maybe you have made a decision, decision recently or a long time ago, but actually, it's really a Sunday thing. So it's a thing you do on Sunday, but it doesn't really impact the rest of your life. And the interesting thing is, if you look in verse 3, is that, that actually Jesus invites Peter in. He goes to him. He goes to his boat. And then he asks, not tells, him to join him in it. And then in verse 4, he then talks to Simon about his job and about his fishing, and actually we'll go on and look at that in a little bit. But in that little interaction, I think there's two interesting things about Jesus. So firstly, Jesus meets us where we are, do you know? So often he comes to meet us at what stage we are in our journey. And for Peter, he came to him, he chose his boat. But secondly, I think it's interesting that Jesus cares about our whole life, so he, he came and talked to Peter about fishing, right? And he talked to him about his work. So, so maybe you're sitting here thinking um, about your week ahead, and maybe it's you have a difficult conversation to have this week, or maybe you're wondering how you're going to meet a deadline, or maybe you're wondering how you'll be able to do your job or whether you'll get a job, or maybe there's people and things you need to do. And Jesus cares about all of that. He cares about our lives and so do you, are you thinking on the sidelines that Jesus is good for Sundays, but he doesn't really matter from Monday to Saturday? But this passage is saying that actually Jesus does care, and we'll see later that he's actually qualified to help us in those areas. So if you are on the sidelines or distracted, Jesus does want to meet you. He wants to get into your boat and push off with you. He cares for all of us. Okay, secondly then, so that's where Peter was. Peter's slightly distracted. So then what happens next? Okay, let's have a look at verse 4. It says, When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. This is an amazing uh, slash ridiculous request, actually. So I'm not much of a fisherman. Um, my brother-in-law, Owen, is. And I've had some great times uh, spent with Owen not catching fish. Um, and in the last week, I've, I've actually been reading quite a bit about um, fishing in Ga- Lake Sea of Galilee. And, and actually, my conclusion um, is that this was a very odd request. And here's the two main reasons why, right? So firstly, um, fish come out at nighttime, right? Not in the heat and the warmth of the day, okay? So that made it odd. Secondly, 
Fish typically gather near the edge of the water where there are streams coming in or there are springs bubbling up because that gives the water oxygen and churns it up. And so that's what fish like. So Jesus, the carpenter, turns up, speaks to the fishermen, fishers fished all his life, and says, I think you should go out during the day into the deep water. Nice. Now, Simon, let's see, how does he respond to that? I know how I might have responded. Um, But in verse 5, he says, very graciously, Master, we've been working hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. What a great response. He just cleaned all his nets. He just spent a hard night working. He got everything organized. He was cleaned. And then this carpenter comes up and says, I think you should go out again. But yet, in all that, he said, I will. And, And actually, just if you look down, I think that's a great phrase. It says, because you say so, I will. And I think that's a challenge to us. You see, commitment and obedience, it's not dependent on favorable circumstances. There are times when even you might be thinking, this is bonkers, but you need to say, because you say so, I will. And I don't know what that might be for you. So it might be um, loving your neighbor, because you say so, I will. Not drinking too much, because you say so, I will. Meeting together as Christians, all together on a Sunday, because you say so, I will. Trusting God with our future, because you say so, I will. Being united as one body, because you say so, I will. Because obedience is the best course of action, regardless of maybe how you might feel or what it might um, be like or what you might think the outcome will be, it's the best course of action. And so we may be distracted, but actually, for Peter, he moved from that to this place where he was determined to be obedient and to go out with Jesus, even though it might not have made sense to him. Thirdly, then, lastly, so Peter's moved from distracted. He's determined to follow, even though he didn't necessarily think this is right. Let's see what happens next. Do you know, it's actually a shame in some ways in that, um, well, it's not, it's a good thing that we read the Bible before we come and talk about it. But in some ways, you know what the punchline is and the exciting end to the story already. It'd be nice to have a, like a great reveal where I say, so they went out fishing and guess what happened next? But actually, it is amazing. They struck gold in fishing terms. It was a massive catch, so big, it says, that both boats began to sink. And I kind of think, again, my response, I'm not sure, would be what Peter's was. You might think, wow. You might think, thanks. You might say, wow, that's amazing. Maybe if uh, you're a bit hip, you might say, totally epic. Or maybe, yippee, we're rich, finally. There's lots of responses, humanly, that you think Peter might have said. But let's see what he says in verse 8. He says that, Luke tells us, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. Okay, Lord, I am a sinful man. What a curious response, very odd. So let's look at a little bit more detail. Okay, let's, the first word even is telling, because in verse 5, do you remember that? This is when Peter was being obedient, being determined. Peter calls Jesus master, which is a bit like rabbi or teacher. And then we come on to verse 8, and what does Peter say? Peter says, Lord. And that's kind of like the journey of commitment for us. Do you know, how do we see Jesus? Do we see Jesus as, as a kind of a good teacher? He's got some great, you know, 
advice for a moral life, or he's got things that we feel compelled to follow? Or do we see him as Lord, as the one who knows what's best for our lives and someone who we can give control over to? Because we're sinners not just because of the bad things we do, but sinners because fundamentally we want to run our own lives often. We want to kind of have control over it. And so for Peter, he's kind of realizing that he needs to let go and let Jesus be Lord of his life. And so as he sees Jesus, Jesus taking an interest in him, an interest in his whole life, not just his Sunday, his Sunday and his Monday through Saturday, and he sees him perform this great miracle, Peter says, Lord, I am a sinful man. Lord, I want you to help run my life. And that's the freedom, actually, though you wouldn't think it, at the heart of Christianity, the freedom which we get from letting go. And letting go and being completely committed with God means that We don't have to be bound up in this kind of pressure of having to run and control everything ourselves. And that freedom of letting go and that freedom of total commitment. So we need to make that journey, like Peter, I guess, from being maybe distracted in the sidelines as we look and we think to sometimes actually just doing things because we need to obey and we need to, to finally being devoted and putting our trust in Jesus because that's what true freedom will be for us. And so how does it finish then? It's a great end in verse 10 and 11. Um, Peter, one day he went fishing with Jesus. The next day he's going fishing for Jesus because Jesus gives him this great commission to say, okay, now go and fish for people. Go and spread this great news of freedom that you've discovered. Go and tell others about it. And his devotion is clear, right? Because in the last verse, rather than, you know, I'll be with you once I go and sell this fish and buy a new house, or I'll be with you, just give me a couple of months to tidy up my affairs, or whatever response he might say. He, Luke tells us that he left everything. He gave it all up to follow Jesus. So just in conclusion, we've seen this morning that Jesus cared about Peter's whole life. He cares for our whole life, all of it, every part. That he met us and he met Peter where he was at. And we've seen Peter's journey from distraction through to devotion for Jesus as Lord. And so the challenge, I guess, this morning is where are we in that journey? Jesus wants to step into our boat and be in control of our lives and give us freedom. Will you let him?